Um, so Nari's actually asked me to come and speak tonight on your Back to Basics um, series, and he's actually asked me to speak about giving. Um, I have been coming to Divergent for probably 10 years, maybe a bit more, and I honestly don't think we preached on this topic more than once or twice. We did do one series on giving that I can remember, on generosity or on money, I guess. I can't really remember many other times. Possibly Josh preached on one, but it might have been that good sentence, I don't remember it. Um, so it's probably not something we teach about. So I'm going to be quite blunt today, I think, in some aspects, and maybe it will be a bit more, I don't know, a topic that's maybe not as palatable to some people. But I do think it's something that we really do need to talk about. The Western church gets a pretty bad rap. Um, in the media, on money, um, and I think maybe that's why we shy away from teaching about it. It's a bit of a sensitive topic. Money seems to pull at our heartstrings a little bit, which is probably more like it's a reason we probably need to talk about it a little bit more. Um, so I said I was going to be blunt. I'll start off with something that is a little bit confronting. Across our churches, we would say, we need a little just rough look, and I think this is probably in line with most churches across Australia. Only Probably about 10 to 20 percent of us in this gathering across Divergent are giving to the church on a regular basis. Um, so, of course, there are some people that are very generous, they give very regularly, and um, they have those rhythms that have established, that established in their life. Um, and I think that at Divergent, we like to think of uh, establishing rhythms in our life. And so, uh, we can see that early believers had rhythms in their life gathering, with finance, um, about around rest. And a lot of that came from um, Jewish culture. Jesus had rhythms that he followed and would do certain things at certain times and loop around. And I think that as a community, it's really important that we have this in the back of our head, thinking about rhythms um, in our life and giving and how we can fit rhythms around that into a Jesus-centered life. Um, so I think just to start off, I think it's going to, it's probably worth us just delving a little bit into reasons why maybe we are not collectively giving to the church as a whole. So please don't feel like I'm pointing at anyone. I have no idea who is or isn't giving. I don't have names, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not being um, judgmental of that at all. I don't see that information. We don't see that. I guess DeLong would be able to see it as the accountant, but we don't see that information. Um, but I do think it's really important that we all are considering why maybe we're all not giving regularly. It's, and think about maybe the reasons, because that might help us to, we might be able to address some of them. I think that maybe some of us who have grown up in the church, and equally probably some people that haven't grown up in the church and have only really heard about the church or Christians through media, probably or possibly have a distrust of the church, particularly with relation to finances, um, we all know that across Australia, across the church, there has been mistrust of finance. Um, we know that people are sinful and there have been people who have fallen short in this area and there has been things that have not been godly done with well-intended money that's been given to the church. Um, but what I would say is if this is you and you do feel really um, distrusting of the church, having um, stewardship of money that we're using... I would, I would encourage you to go and ask for more information about where the money's going, how we're managing the money, how it's being stewarded. Um, 
because it's not I would I really think if we are serious about our faith and we want to grow in our faith we want to become mature Christians and mature believers we can't just say I don't trust the church and then not try and resolve that issue and so if you do have that distrust that's okay to have that but I think it's important then to go and explore okay well how do I then come and get over this distrust just like in a relationship really with anyone we don't just want to sit in that place and say I'm never going to trust you again I want to go back and really search why I have that um yeah, we, we really want to be open with the money that we have coming into the church. We want to be open with where it goes. We want to be able to show people. Uh, we've been asking Adeline to send out some emails this year about some of the different um, workers overseas that we support. So by workers, I should be a bit more clear because that has a different meaning and different uh, missionaries, people going around to spread the gospel overseas. Um, so we've had, um, I think there's been a few updates on um, Turkey, which we have, Indonesia possibly, and we'll keep sending those out. Um, but definitely want to share where all that money goes. And your LifeCom leaders also have been encouraged that if there is money that you need to be reaching your community, it is there. In fact, we're pushing to give money to LifeComs to go and work in your communities and serve. So if that's something that you have in your LifeCom, that you have a need, that you can say, I want to reach these people, let's do it together – there's money there for you to use. So maybe that's not the issue. Maybe you have no distrust of the church. Maybe instead some of us are storing up wealth for ourselves. So we're working really hard. We're saving it up. And maybe we're doing that because we just want to have a really comfy house. Maybe we want to go on some really great holidays. Or maybe we actually are feeling like that's our security. And so maybe... I don't know what happens if I can't work in 20 years because I get sick. I need to make sure that I have my finances in order. What happens if when I retire, my soup is dropped and I don't have enough soup, I need to save up to make sure that I'm set. So maybe that's a reason. Maybe another reason is, which is one I've heard, maybe you prefer to give your money, you're happy to give, you really want to be generous, but you just really prefer to give your money to some other charities or other organisations um, instead of the church. And I'm going to actually go into that a bit more a bit later. And actually, I think this one might possibly be um, one that I've actually seen people, a reason I've seen known of people not giving to the church. Um, maybe it's that we just don't actually realise it's actually asked of us. Maybe we actually don't know that that's something that we do as believers. Um, I remember, I think it was probably four years ago, I had a conversation with two new believers, relatively new believers, and we were just talking about it. And they honestly had no idea. They weren't being, like, unrepentant. They weren't trying to stop. None of these issues applied to them. They just honestly were flawed when we were reading through the scriptures together and actually didn't know because they were new believers. They hadn't come. No one had talked to them about it. So maybe if that's you, I'm hoping that this might actually help you today. Um, so scripture actually is very clear that we should be giving money to the church. I know that that sounds like it, that can bite at people. Some people might be um, feeling a little bit agitated because of things that we've heard in the world or media, but actually scripture is really clear. We see Israel giving to the temple. Like we know that Israelites were required to give different amounts of or different amounts, not necessarily money, but different amounts at different times. Jesus praised the woman who gave money in the temple and we read in 1 Timothy, Paul commanding, yes, commanding believers to give. And he says this in chapter 6, Command those who are rich in this present world, I would assume that would be all of us, 
not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. So that's talking a lot about our heart, yeah? Commanding us to not be storing up our wealth in other things. And then in 1 Corinthians, it says this, now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. An instruction. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Talking a little bit more about the practicalities of giving. So heart issue and then practically doing what what, uh, Paul has actually instructed the churches to do. I don't see any reason why that wouldn't follow through to us as modern-day Christians. So we should be generous and generous in our giving. And the generosity that we um, live should be evident to people around us. God is concerned with what we give, but also I think God is actually really concerned with the posture in which we give. Um, So are we giving cheerfully? Um, As we read in Scripture in Corinthians a bit bit earlier or a bit further on in 2 Corinthians or are we giving grudgingly or stingily and wanting to hold on to it? Giving will possibly be hard as we break those um, cycles so just because it's hard doesn't mean we don't give but as we um, continue on hopefully that will become easier and we should have some joy in being able to give. Um, I actually love this passage I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians. It's actually if you read the whole little it's the little bit. Actually, Paul is, it sounds like he's being really gentle. I think my title at the top of this passage says, Encouragement to Give. If you actually read it, it's very forceful encouragement if you read the whole thing. Paul's essentially assuming they're going to give and saying, I'm coming, I'm telling you in advance so you have time to prepare, so you're not feeling like you have to give on the day. Prepare now. And so this is what he says. He's writing this letter. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So talking a lot about our posture as well. Paul, though, as you read, it does say not under compulsion. I don't know, like I read that verse and I think, I don't know, it seems pretty, like there's a bit of like pushing when you read that. It's not saying if you, saying I'm just giving you a bit of extra time so you can gather up your money almost. Um, but we should definitely be giving cheerfully and freely. We are not, I would hate for someone to come up to me and tap me on the shoulder and say, you haven't given in a few weeks. Why aren't you giving your money? That's not free giving. That's not feeling like you're doing it without compulsion. You're being told what to do. And so that's not what I want to stand up here and do. But what I do want to say is we give freely and cheerfully because Jesus gave so much and so our whole life all of us we talk about being all in like all of our life for Jesus all of our life is modeled on Jesus life Jesus gave up everything and I think that actually the generosity that Jesus showed is like ridiculous it's way beyond what we would consider reasonable I know that we can easily say, yeah, yeah, I'd give up my life, but Jesus has done more than just give up his life, really, when you look at the whole, obviously we know there's a lot more to it than that. And so if we as believers are called to follow his example, um, then we should be giving up 
everything, and that includes our finances, and be giving that to God as as worship, as um, worship to him. Um, so sometimes people will say, oh, I've just given my 10%, just given my tithe, oh, I've just given, I gave them just some spare change. And I think that obviously we're not giving every single bit of our money every single time to every single person who asks. That's very unwise. And that's not what we're called to do. But we need to have a posture where we're ready to give all up to God if he asks um, just like he gave all of himself. Um, so, yeah, I think that some of us maybe, this is a struggle. Maybe I know that sometimes it's hard to give away stuff. I've struggled before. I know that we were praying one day, we were trying to sell our car, and I don't know, we just sat and prayed, and I said to Kate, Kate, I don't know if it wasn't getting sold, I can't really remember, but we sat there at the table, and I remember the conversation, and we just both sat there in silence. And we'd had someone inquire about it, and I think that's what happened. She asked, could I just have it for a bit cheaper? Could I just have it for a grand or two less? And we sat there, and Kate said, oh, what do you think? And I was like, hmm, what do you think? And in my head, I had already felt the Holy Spirit say, you have to give her the car. And I was like, I'll just see what Kate says first. I don't want to volunteer that information. And so I was like, oh, what do you think? And he was like, oh, don't freak out, but... I think we should just give it to her. And I was like, no. And it hurt because I didn't want to give away a car. I wanted to sell it so that I could then use the money to buy another car. And so I don't think that being a cheerful giver means it's not going to hurt. Sometimes it will hurt. And sometimes we have to say, um, like, no, I'm not going to give in to my flesh. I'm not just going to do what I choose. I'm going to choose to do what I feel the Holy Spirit asking me to do. Um, but giving cheerfully also I think can go hand in hand with that because you know that you're partnering with the Holy Spirit and what can be more of a joy than being able to do that. Um, so maybe, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you are one of the people that really does give regularly and this is just a good reminder. Maybe one of those other reasons does fit in. I'm not going into all those details now. I haven't got time. You'll get sick of me talking. But I think maybe the struggle for some people is that we just don't feel equipped or maybe we don't know, or we'd just like a little bit help there. And so I think that I might, I was thinking it just would be helpful to have some practical examples, uh, practical principles, just to help us with our giving and to help us, um, yeah, I guess know why we're giving as well. I'll talk a bit more into what I said before about why we should give to the church. So I'm just going to reread that verse from 1 Corinthians 16. It's actually verse 1. I've read this before, but... I'm just going to bring all of my principles from this verse. I don't think they're mine. I'm sure many other people have used them. Uh, it says, Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. Now on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So... The first I wanted to talk about was that why we should give to the church. And we should. We should be giving to the church. Um, Paul is saying we're taking up a collection. The, he's writing to the church. The church is taking up the collection. People are giving to the church. The principle is that we should be giving to the church, our local church. And so I think that maybe in modern times um, there are some believers that I've known and walked with who really are quite sure that we should be giving like, I, don't, I, I know that a lot of believers would say, of course, as Christians, we're called to be generous and to give, but maybe thinking it's a bit optional as to where. Um, and so here are some of the examples of 
why I've actually had people that I personally know tell me that they don't give to the church. Um, so I've actually had people say to me, I like to save up the money and I'd like to steward it and give it to where I feel God telling me there are needs. Um, I know someone who said, I actually prefer to give directly to the people in need. I know them, I can see them, I know Jack's in there, I can see he's in need, I'm just going to give him some money. I feel like that's what I want to do, direct, no in between. I don't know if you need money, I don't have any for you. (laughs) (laughs) Unless the Holy Spirit tells me to give you some. Um, And the third one, I actually have heard this a few times, so maybe this is a bit more prevalent. Um, I've heard a lot of people say, I actually feel really called to support this charity or this church organisation, or this parachurch. And so I actually give my weekly giving to them. And so whatever that might be, I don't know, there's 100,000 different organisations that you could choose to. All doing, probably not all, I'm sure majority of those are doing great work. And so I don't want to go through why each of these maybe uh, misguided as why you shouldn't give to the church, but let me explain why we should give to the church. We'll go with the positive. So we know that the church is God's plan for serving the poor, for God's plan for helping the sick, for community. This is the church. We are not called as individuals to go out and minister to people. We are called as a community. And I think we're pretty big on this at Divergent, that we are a community and we're called to go together. No one goes out alone. And I think part of the reason for this, there possibly are many other reasons, but part of the reason is actually um, it allows us to share the burden And so just imagine I know someone, my neighbour, really struggling, really sick, needs help. I think, okay, well, I can help them. I have some money. They need money. They don't have enough money. A week down the track, they need more. Two weeks down the track. Now they need meals every two weeks. And it becomes really hard to just put all of this into from one person helping someone who's struggling so much. But if I were to go and say to my community in Queen, hey, my neighbour is really struggling, can we set up a meal train? Does anyone have any money? They'd like, it all of a sudden becomes so much easier to be able to minister. There's so much more that we can give, not just financial, because we actually are not becoming bitter about giving everything. We're not becoming burdened. Um, There's more, we have more capacity to meet need. Me as one person are not going to be able to meet as many needs as all of us together. And... I think also we need to think about when we're ministering to people, the goal is always Jesus. We want people to know Jesus. We want to bring them to know him and his love. And so if we are going and ministering to someone, even if it is financially and if it's not, that's also this applies to, we want to be able to bring them into community. We want to be able to bring them in and say, hey, this is what God's done for me. Come and be part of our community. Come and just experience what it's like. And so that's much easier as well if we're working as a community and not as individuals. Um, I think it's also important to be giving to the church. Um, I shouldn't say I think it's important. I think um, we sow into what we see as important. So this is my second thought. We sow into what we see as important. Um, so if we see that the church gathering is important to us for fellowship, for ministry, um, for accountability, for teaching, we sow into that. We sow into it with our time. Like people have been here all afternoon preparing like, Nicole wrote that song. How awesome is that when she wrote that a few years back? Like, that takes time. You sow into that. You give your energy to it. People are here setting up. People are praying over this church. Murray is probably walking. He's going to be praying for us the whole time he's walking. Well, maybe not the whole time, but a lot of prayer time. But people are sowing in. And I think that we're pretty okay with sowing in with prayer, with 
times. Some people are not so happy with that. But we also sew in with money. We, we value education. We sew into it with money. We go and get a huge debt for uni because we value it. We want to um, become educated in whatever it is we're studying. We sew into our health. Like who here has a gym membership and does or does not use it? Um, we sew into it. We pay for it because we feel, think it's important. We feel like it's important to buy healthy food. So we pay more money for healthy food because we value it. And so do we sew into our church community? If we value it, then we should show into it. If we don't sew into our community financially, then maybe we need to examine why. We need to think about why we don't do that. And so lastly, this is the easy one. Just have a look around. We sew into our community because there is stuff to pay for. This building is not free. The warmth, or lack thereof, is also not free. The tea and coffee cost money. Aside from that, like, we all love what people are doing overseas. We love seeing what Rachel was doing. Like, when Carla was there, we've just sent, um, we're just, we haven't sent, but Jess Parage has just gone over to Spain, and we're as a church supporting her. We have people in Indonesia that we support. We are hoping to support a couple that's just gone to Uruguay to plant house churches. There are people that we are, we support Josh and Angie in Turkey. There are people in other countries in the Middle East that we support. We are not able to do that without money and so if we value what those people are doing overseas and in our community we support the Caribou youth we feed the kids over there that are often not getting food from their homes if we value that we personally need to sacrifice our own money and sow in other people I, I just want to say this actually this is I thought of this analogy I was thinking hmm imagine if I rocked up to mum and dad's or, and my brother, like, it's actually probably better with Cade's family because that's huge. Imagine if I rocked up to Cade's family dinner and I just rocked up and was like, I'm not paying for anything. We do it every week and I'm not bringing any food. I'm not bringing any drinks. I refuse to help in any way. Everyone else can do all the work. I don't think that I would be the favourite or one of the most well-liked uh, in-laws, I can say. But I think sometimes we do that here. Like we think, oh, yeah, I'm just not one of those people that um, serves or gives. Other people do it. And maybe we just don't think about it. But the reality is there are people that are giving of their time and of their money. And so really, as a community, I feel like we should all be feeling like we want to contribute to them. Don't mishear me saying that we shouldn't give to other organisations or parachurch things. We should also give that on top of giving to the church. So I definitely think that we need to be ready to give to anyone in need. But we need to start, being generous starts by sowing into our own community and our own family. If we have people in our own family who have need and we don't meet that, I don't, that's not going to look great to the world, whether it's our biological family or even more importantly our spiritual family, that doesn't look great. And so we need to sow in and be learning to be generous with our own family and then being willing to even extend that more, be generous with those organisations, with those charities. When you're walking down the street and Jackson needs something, then you can also be generous in that way. So, we should be giving to the church. Secondly, giving should be regular. It says in um, chapter 16, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, that Paul's instructing uh, the Galatian churches to give all now other churches to give on the first day of every week. 
So Paul tells us to give regularly. I don't have really much else to say about this except set up a direct debit, budget it in, that's it. Third, <laughs> giving should be proportionate. So it's in keeping with your income. Um, I really, um, we, a series that we did on giving a few years back, I don't know, it was before COVID, I'm sure, um, we talked a lot about um, the tithe. So if you've been around church circles before, you might have heard people say, oh, I've tithed this week, oh, I've got a tithe. If you have not been around churches before, people will often say um, when they are at church or just when they're talking about giving in general financially, oh, I, I would tithe. And so what people are often referring to is in modern day, from what I gather, they are referring to I give 10% of my income. So that's what people generally in the modern church mean when they say they tithe. Now, if we actually examine and go back to the Old Testament, thankfully I didn't have to do heaps of research on this because I remembered back to the series from before when other people did all the research, so I could just read it. The tithe was actually um, a percentage, yes, so it was a percentage for Israelites to give a percentage often of their harvest or often of whatever they're having come into their storehouses at certain times throughout their seven-year cycle. So they worked on a seven-year cycle. And so actually, it was actually um, collected and it was used for the priests and the Levites. Don't need to go into that. It was part of um, just, I guess, instructions and, uh, and ways of living and it even um, was connected to bits of the law. Well, it was, you needed to do it. Um, and so... Actually, the important part that I want to mention is not all of that. We actually don't need to know all that. If you actually add up how much people were giving across any one period, it was actually probably more closely to more. It was probably closer to 20% than 10% of their income. And so, my point is not that we should not tithe. It's that we don't care what word we use. If people say, I want to give 10% and they say tithe, who cares? It doesn't actually matter. I think the point I want to make is, is that we need to make sure that we are starting a tithe. The 10% is a great place to start. If you don't know where to start, why not start there? That's a great place to start with your income. But don't just leave it there. Actually, we are... Um, like New Testament believers, we believe that we are empowered by the Spirit. We believe the Spirit talks to us. We need to seek the Spirit and ask Him and say, "What, Holy Spirit, what do you actually want me to give? What money would be um, glorifying to you? How much would you like me to be giving to the church regularly? Um, and really listening. We need to be active followers that seek out God. We don't just want to say, oh, there's a rule, 10%, tick it off. I've not talked to God about this. I've not thought about it. I've just looked and followed a rule. And so I think that's like we don't want to be legalistic. We don't want to look and think I've just got to give 10%. I think that's a great place to start. And maybe God does say to you 10%. Awesome. Then we're obedient we give that. But we need to make sure that we're seeking out what God's calling us to give and that we continue to do that. Because if we are... Um, committed to giving a certain amount of money, we've committed to this, we might pray then two days later and feel God saying, actually, you know what? Um, Josh and Ange, I'm not, I, this is not something I have heard, but Josh and Ange might tell you, you know what, uh, God might tell you, Josh and Ange are really struggling this week. Give another gift. They might say, this person over here that's part of your life, Com, like they 
we don't know what's going on, the Holy Spirit does. You need to give them this or would you give this person this money? And so we need to be in communication with Holy Spirit so that we are actively thinking about this and it's not just a passive rule that we're keeping. Um, I will read where I'm up to because I really just started talking. (laughs) Um, So I'm actually getting, yeah, right to the end. Um, I think that we need to make sure that we're praying and listening and not just so that we are making sure that we're doing, being obedient to the Spirit. We absolutely need to do that. But actually the beautiful thing is that we don't want to miss opportunities to love and serve other people. And so if we are walking with the Holy Spirit, if we are spending time with him throughout the day, um, listening for his instruction as we go, we are going to see opportunities and we're going to be blessed ourselves, not necessarily financially, please don't mishear me, we're going to be blessed because we're partnering with the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do for the kingdom. And that's such a reward that we can partner with God in sowing into other people's lives in this way. So I wanted to just finish off at the end. I have no idea how long I've talked for, but this will be a good amount of time. Um, I want to finish off just coming back to why we give because I said at the start we can clearly see Paul um, commanding the um, people who are rich in the present world to not be arrogant. So essentially what's your posture? Are you storing up wealth on earth or are we putting our hope in God? And so coming back to why we give and it's exactly... It's really important to think about that. We don't want to be giving just because we are. We don't want to not give because we are storing up our wealth. But we actually want to come back to thinking about we're giving because we have received so much. Um, so just on the way here, I came um, from drove out here this afternoon and I was listening to the Hillsong song, Hillsong, the song by Hillsong called um, There's Another in the Fire, which I really love that song. And I love the part, um, the lyrics that just said, like it's just a reminder that there was actually a place for us, like we were condemned. And the lyrics say that there was a cross that, I think it was, I don't know if it said bared my name, that doesn't make sense, it was obviously something else. But there was a cross with my name on it that I was, like I was condemned for death. And I think that it's actually such a good reminder that I have received so much, you have received so much and if I have received so much, the natural overflow of that is generosity and gratitude for others. And I want to um, have that like, gratitude and generosity flow out of me into others. It's just a natural overflow um, because I'm being changed. I've come to Christ and I'm being changed. And so um, I loved one of the songs you chose, Nicole, as well. I can't remember which one it was. I'm terrible at music. But knowing that the Holy Spirit, um, like that, the Holy Spirit that's talking to us as we go day by day about every matter of things that's happening is that same power that raised Christ from the dead. Um, He lives in us. And the beautiful thing is that when we came to faith, we didn't just come to faith and now we're done and God just leaves us there. The beautiful thing is that God brings us along. He changes us and he transforms us. We might use the word sanctify and he's making us to be more like he is changing our character which is so flawed and sinful and dirty before Jesus and um, is constantly drawn back to the flesh, changing it day by day as we seek him to become more and more like him. And so I think knowing that, knowing 
what God's done for us, how generous God is, compels us to worship him. It compels us to be cheerful in how we do this. And I think that relates not only to finance, which it does, which I've just talked about for the last however long, but it also compels us to worship God and be generous with our time and be generous with our energy and just really all of ourselves. Like I said, we're all in, all of us. We want to be worshipping God with every part of us. And so as we think about giving, as we maybe think about where we're sowing our finance, um, I want us to really be prayerful, obviously, but thinking about it as an act of worship. And so as we think about how we give to the church, how we give to others, like as I said, that's on top of it. We want to be giving to other people too. We want to be known to be generous. Let's think of that as an act of worship um, back to God for what he's done. Um, I want to pray um, before we finish. Um, so, yeah, enjoy me. Uh, Lord God, I just thank you so much that you are just the most generous um, example um, to us. We thank you for just the unreasonable gift that you give us um, in your son Jesus and what you've done for us. Lord, we pray that as we just think about that and meditate on that daily, um, that there would be such an overflow of generosity and worship from us, that we would be so compelled to give, that um, we would have such joy to do that, um, that it would be a real kingdom, like it would sow so much into your kingdom and draw others towards you. And I just pray a blessing over this gathering, this community. I thank you just for what you're doing here. And we also just pray that as Murray walks and walks and walks, that you'd also be with him and speaking to him. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>